Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Andrew Arkley. Andrew is a longtime rock star and our circle member, but more importantly, he was a goalie back in the day and was traded around Canada playing in that, ended up in Guelph, Ontario, and then from there, he took real estate in university and parlayed that into a real estate journey that involved... Well, I'll let him share the story, but he's picked up a bunch of properties and all using all different types of strategies. Wait till you hear what he's gone through. I love it when a, a local Canadian shares their story of what they've gone through in real estate, because I think so many people will hear someone like Andrew and think he just got lucky or picked up all these properties. But when you hear what he went through to, you know, create this portfolio of real estate for himself, it's rather amazing that he stuck with it. And then now he's in. Uh, he's working with Reed's Heritage Properties and doing a bunch of business development with them. So we we discuss that and what he's doing there. So it's to me, it's just a great educational story of what somebody will go through to build their real estate portfolio. Hopefully, you enjoy this show. And if you want to get information just like Andrew did to start off with what he has done, you can find real estate reports that we've put together on the population growth here in the Ontario area that we think is very important. And you can get those reports at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. In the population explosion report specifically, we map out just how much immigration Canada is getting here and per capita, what that looks like compared to the rest of the world. This is really important because I think a lot of people will look around the real estate market and wonder why are prices doing what they're doing? But when you mix in some fundamentals that where money is cheap and you have more people than you have supply of property, it just automatically creates a demand situation here that is almost unprecedented. So it's important to understand some of these things so you're not just looking around wondering why the real estate market is doing what it's doing. And it, it's some of the data that we actually looked at when COVID broke out last year to try to understand what would happen to the real estate market next. And when we looked at the data that we had been analyzing for years and just kind of broke it down during that time, we thought, unless the banks completely stop lending, we can't really see a situation here where real estate prices go down. And that was the fear. You know, there's a lot of big organizations calling for real estate prices to go down. And we just couldn't gather how that would be. So I think when you have some information at your fingertips, it just gives you more confidence in what you are doing. So if you want copies of those reports, you can get all of them, including the population explosion report at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's it. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Andrew Arkley. Am I saying your last name properly? That's right, Arkley, okay. yeah. So the reason that you just pissed me off to start is because you said you played men's league hockey and you were a goalie, and you were a goalie in the OHL? Uh, no, I oh. played for, I was in Western Canada Junior A Tier 2 Leagues. Um, I was a bit of a suitcase. I got traded three times during my five-year career there from Manitoba to Saskatchewan to Alberta. Uh, and then came to Guelph to play for the university hockey team here. So You were traded? How old are you when you were being traded? Oh, 17, I guess, the first time, and then uh, 19 the second time. So an inter-province trades, too, which is a bit... Uh, and you must have been a mean goalie. How tall are you? 6'2". Six 6'2". Two. Six two. And what was your style of goalie... Boy, stop puck yeah stop the puck right? <laughs> no but did you have like i don't know you i'm know. not exactly old enough for the the skate save i don't <laughs> think that was that was prior to my time <laughs> okay okay but you didn't do the hassock do you remember the stack the pads oh stack no, you the pads stack is pretty pad. rare no i think i was right around the time where goalie became pretty boring you do the butterfly, the butterfly. And just hope it hits you yeah yeah yeah. yeah. who started the butter it. like when a butterfly is that like belfour no oh, i don't know you're a goalie. You need to know this I stuff, know, right? Man. I'm, I'm, I'm I, so I really, far out of the game. I think you should go back into the men's <clears throat> league and do the old stack the pads play, man. <laughs> Seriously, if you start playing this, anyone listening who doesn't understand hockey is going to be like, Tom, what are you talking about? But the reason that you piss me off is because you play men's league now. And I know people like you who grew up playing goalie because I play men's league as well. Not, not as much anymore, but you would come out of the net and I would always think, oh, this guy played goalie. He's going to be crap out of the net. But you freaks would come out from being a goalie and play awesome as players <laughs> and you don't even have to tell me that you're awesome as a player I already know you're awesome as a player without even you telling me that and it, it would always upset me I'm like how can they do this they play yeah. goalie their yeah, whole yeah. life well it's 20 years of skating skating and all that shit on 
it's it's yeah. heavy, right? Yeah, so you, yeah. get, you develop some speed. Yeah, and I guess you're even skating backwards. You know, you're skating backwards in those freaky skates that goalies wear. True, yeah. They're different now, apparently. Apparently, they're more like player skates. Oh, really? I haven't looked into this. Again, I'm, I'm 10 years Listen, removed Listen, I'm a now, big Toronto so Maple Leaf fan. I know there's a lot of people who love Anderson. I like Anderson. I'm sure he's a nice person. Yeah, yeah. Okay? We needed some goalie help in Toronto. <laughs> so maybe I'm waiting for Campbell to, 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 I don't know if you follow the Leafs or not, but uh, I, I like yeah, Campbell. Yeah. He's got a lot better rebound control, in my opinion. I want him a net. I don't really want Anderson in that anymore. Okay. But maybe you can suit up and be the backup because Hutchinson, another great guy, I'm sure. Right. Great yeah, person. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure. But in the last game I watched, he let in two goals on three shots. <laughs> no, did That's you know a tough, this? Tough percentage. No, two, I didn't, didn't yeah, see two, that one. Th- two goals on three shots. <laughs> I'm waiting for a Leaf goalie to let in four goals on three shots. Right, when that, right. When that happens, yeah, yeah. We've, we've reached our new low. But uh, So I got to put my phone. I forgot to mention before we started that uh, my wife is nine months pregnant. Oh, no way. She's due on Sunday. Okay, so yeah. So I got to keep the phone okay, there. Yeah, if your phone goes off. Just in case it goes off and I, rings, and I leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's fair game. That's fair game. Okay, so um, wait, wait a sec. Now I need to know, though. Men's League Hockey, what, what level are you playing? You know how there's different tiers? Like oh, when I was just, playing. It's just pick up. Yeah. Oh, yeah? It's, there's yeah, no yeah. real. Yeah, no, still, not even any refs still or not anything. buying it. Yeah, but you guys are still flying around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, me and Nick are the, I was just explaining before we started recording that Nick and I really try hard, but we both started playing hockey when we we're like in our twenties and we're like the wobbly skaters who, but not wobbly. <laughs> like we played men's league. Yeah, my, yeah. my actually kids didn't believe this. I think I was leading scorer in our team for a couple years, one year for sure. And they ended up finding our team called the Maulers. Yikes. Like, what level are you playing then? This was like this was like true North Hockey League. I think it was like C division. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was not the highest level, but we had a couple of buddies who would come in and play, and they were just killers because they played OHL and stuff, right. and they would just come in and just skate around everybody. And then one of our goalies was an OHL goalie. Right. And he could just save anything. And they and, were playing in the C League with you. Yeah, and Ooh. they were so good. They were so good that our goalie at one year, he was like a third defenseman. Right. Like he would just skate right in the net. You know, sometimes the puck would go, but he's like, he'd be waving us like if we were playing, if I was on defense, he'd be like, don't bother, don't come. But I'm telling you, the C League wasn't that, it was, the C Division wasn't that bad. See, I see you're laughing because your pickup is better yeah. than that. Anyway, on to important business. You got a bunch of real estate properties pretty young. Well, how the heck do you get to University of Guelph as playing hockey, mm-hmm. uh, playing playing goalie, and then what, how does it, how does that well, transpire? Well, the first actually, I first bought my first one actually the summer I graduated, and it was actually more of a mistake than anything. Um, it was a student rental near water near the Waterloo campus, not as near as I thought it was because I I, I saw it on MLS. I guess it had been listed for a while, and I looked it up in Google Maps and and universities own you know their campus but they also typically own a bunch of land outside of that smaller footprint and it's the same in guelph and waterloo i'm sure it's the same everywhere else um but looking at the location of the house in relation to the the border in quotations um of what the campus was it was right next door so i'm like oh wow that's great so i'll take it Uh, i didn't even realize till after i had bought it that it wasn't anywhere near campus that the bus ride was like 40 minutes. I mean, it was a licensed student rental, five bedrooms, uh, you know, it was 220 grand. So it was awfully cheap. Uh, 220. Relative. I'm curious. What year was that? About? Um, that was Oh nine. Oh nine. Dude, you graduated in Oh nine. Yeah. Oh my God. I am old. Okay. Yeah, go, keep, I keep went going. to school late though. So I was, yeah, I was, you were 20, playing I was 21 in my first year because I played yeah. junior until okay. I was 20. So, okay. Um, Anyways, and, and 220 grand at the time was expensive. I, mean, I know the, like, other, it was a semi-detached five-bedroom purpose sort of student rental with the, you know, they had the lodging license or whatever it is. It, um, and other single-family homes in the area that were similar were, like, 170, 180. So it was a premium for the student rental um, at the time. Um, but I remember that, for some reason, I remember the mortgage payment was $946. Uh, and I rented... The five rooms for three seventy five a room, which was sort of lower than market rent, but it, it did well. I mean, it did okay. I had a little bit of trouble renting it year over year because of the <laughs> extreme distance from the actual campus. So you really bought it off Google Maps, <clears throat> like you never actually went to see how well, far I did, it was. I did go to see it, but and then I, I I sort of drove around and I sort of saw that the campus was there because there's a sign that says now entering Waterloo campus, but it was on the north side where it's like cornfields and they have like they study agriculture or something i don't know it's it's not 
related to the actual so then you where you need guilty to be. that you were like going and putting an offer on this and you firmed up on this property yeah. that's what it sounds like to me nice canadian boy firms yeah. up on property that he didn't really want oh what a terrible purchase no but it cash yeah. flowed though no it did i did yeah i made a cash load and and the only real downfall was somewhat difficult to rent year over year but i had it i owned it oh man i don't know seven years maybe six years okay so um, you sold it yeah, so I did. So I did sell. So you it sold that in 2015 yeah. or so. Yeah. And then, do you remember how much you sold it for? Oh, not much. I think. Um, oh, I want to say I think 280 or something. Okay. Like so it you, wasn't a massive increase, that's for sure. Yeah, well, not a massive increase, but you bought. You said you bought it for 220. 220, yeah. I mean, 10 percent. That's 22. We're talking like 25 percent increase. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not nothing either. Yeah, yeah. And then it cash flowed, and you learned a lot. How did you get financing on that property if you were a student? Uh, so no, I had graduated. Oh, so sorry, you I graduated had, yeah. and you were working. I had a, I had a job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And then what did you turn that into? Because now I feel like you have a bunch of properties. So walk us through. How does this evolve? Yeah. So, um, so I had some help with my parents on that one. Um, uh, the next one, I also had some help. I mean, again, the down payments were so small then, relatively speaking, right? So it wasn't that lot. It wasn't a ton of money, and at the time it was, but relatively speaking, it it, it isn't anymore. Um, and so sort of parlayed in, in that into another, which I still own. And it was a student student rental in, in, um, in Guelph. Uh, How many bedrooms is that one? So it's split into two. It was actually had a, it, at the time it had an illegal basement apartment. Uh, and so three bedrooms out, three bedrooms down, but it was illegal at the time. And I ended up sort of getting busted actually. City showed up and knocked on the door and said, hey, we, we had a, got a complaint here. So I had to legalize it, which wasn't actually So when terrible. you legalized it there, did you have to ask the students <clears> then to leave? I did it while they were there, surprisingly. So you just um, went through the process to yeah. get the right, right permits to legal, legalize? It, it wasn't even, it was grandfathered, luckily. Um, and at the time, you had to prove that. So if it was grandfathered, I think it was probably a legal non-conforming, not an illegal. Well, it was illegal, illegal because it didn't meet fire code. Okay. And that was their Got stipulation. Okay. So uh, at the time, there were some restrictions in Guelph around basement apartments, and, and you know the neighborhood didn't want them because of the student issue. Uh, so um, ended up getting, I guess, you know, busted, for lack of a better term there. Um, and you had to prove that that the basement was in existence, or the basement unit was, isn't, was in existence prior to 1994. Um, and so I went to the library and got the phone books from everything from 94 back to like 88 and i found uh you know water street a and water street b basement in the phone book in like 1992 so that proved enough to say that it was in existence prior to 1994 so all i had to do i didn't have to meet existing building code which would have been a huge headache with you know the light requirements and all that everything else and height restrictions and everything so i just <clears throat> i had to meet fire code which was uh, drywalling the ceiling, um, adding a range hood exhaust vent for the for the stove rather than just having the... Yeah, yeah. we've had properties like that too where we didn't know any better and there's a range hood that yeah, doesn't yeah. go... At, like if right. you turn on the fan... Just blows it, it around. Yeah, it just blows it around. Just makes it worse. Anywhere. Nick and I had no clue. Like we, <laughs> We're like, really? This isn't hooked up to anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I had to add like a self-closure. I had to add two fire doors, a self-closure on both doors, drywall the ceiling. Think that was it like it was pretty limited and i drywalled the ceiling while the students were there which is crazy so they were nice enough to help me or let me do that while yeah they i were. feel like you know up until maybe 10 years ago we just did stuff and everybody seemed to be a little bit more accommodating yeah yeah. whereas i I feel now everyone's ready to freak out on any, right. and anything right so if you had to do that now i don't know if you'd get away with yeah. it yeah like i tore down it was a drop ceiling like just a like you know ceiling tile ceiling so I had to tear that down and and drywall everything and it was a mess i mean you know sanding and taping and mudding and you know closed their doors and covered things with sheets oh Oh, it was terrible but they you know i told them that was for their safety and everything else and they they were okay with it so you said something interesting there about that property that like you know it's it it wasn't a lot of money now looking back but that's always interesting to me because it was a lot of money to you at the time so i think sometimes we say these things and then people today, if they're getting started, they're like, well, yeah, it was much easier for you back then. But I'm like, well, hold on a second. Like it was still a lot of money relative to what you were dealing with at the time. Mm-hmm. And incomes have not kept up with property prices. I understand that. Yeah. But it's not like you were sitting on a whole whack of savings, I'm sure. So, you know, there is kind no, of, it was, it was still a lot of money, but, but 
but it was a lot of money. It was tight. I remember, I remember there being some issues at that Waterloo rental. Um, and, and when I had a basement leak, um, like a foundation leak in the spring and it leaked into one of the bedrooms in the basement. And I had a quote to repair the, I think they had to replace or I had to replace the, the, the carpet and the baseboard. And I had a quote for like 460 bucks or something. And, and I said, I can't afford that. Like I had this you know, basic entry level job making, I don't even know what, 38 grand or something. Um, and this thing cash flowed a bit, but I wasn't willing to give up 460 bucks to, you know, to, to have that done. So one of the suppliers that we worked with at my, at my job at the time said I could just have some carpet for free. And so I, I, I went on a, I think on a Monday, ripped out the carpet really carefully so that it would keep its shape. And then I took that carpet and then I took it to uh, the apartment complex I was living at in Toronto and put it in a common room and then went and bought that piece of carpet or got the piece of carpet for free, put the old one on top of the new one, traced it out with like a Sharpie and like cut it out with like an exacto knife and then drove it back the next day and like plunked it in place and then cut some, you know, terribly cut some, some baseboard and put it in place. But those are the things I had to do at the time. And I was also looking at things from the perspective that I was, would I be happy owning this asset in, you know, 30 years if it was the same price it is today? And I, and I was because I figured, okay, I'm calculating my returns based on, you know, mortgage pay down and cash flow. And what is that return? And am I happy with that return? And appreciation would be nice, but I was happy with that house, you know, the, the, the one in, in Guelph I paid 290 grand for. Uh, and I was happy with that price in 30 years, so I didn't really care. So I think that's sort of, you know, to the point today where if that house is now worth 700, as an example, you know, you have to be happy with that house being worth 730 years from now. And I think that's a proper way to look at it. I think everybody's gotten carried away with thinking, I'm just going to buy these properties and it's going to go to, you know, $18 million mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow. Right. But that's not really the way we've looked at properties. It's always been... This is a business. What mm-hmm. are the incomes? What, what what are the revenue? What are the income streams? And do we like it? And then if it appreciates, bonus. Exactly. Whereas I think that that's being a little lost right now. You're also mm-hmm. reminding me of a crazy story in one of our student rentals. We had a student rental where the water tank, have you ever had a water tank just like dump? Not, they just not kind of dump. Break? They okay, sort we, of leaked a little okay, bit. Okay, we had one full dump. So wow. the water just goes. So, yeah. you know, we race over there, HVACs kind of uh, cleaning it up. And um, this the the... Um, with the, the point, I think it was a same day appointment. We got the gas company. Would it be the rental the gas company that had the rental water heaters? Anyway, the rental water heater company, um, they came in same day mm-hmm. to replace it. But this is an old house, and the way I guess the the previous owner kind of made this like furnace room area, it was tight between the furnace and the wall to get to the water tank. Right. So they asked, and I wasn't there at the time. I had left. Um, they said, "Hey, can we rip down this drywall wall?" Um, to get the water tank in, it'll be much easier and faster. I'm like, well, I want, I want the kids there to have hot water. It was the middle of winter Mm -hmm. and we were willing to pay for them to go to hotels to have hot water. They never Mm. took us up on the offer. They just wanted to stay with the stay there. But, uh, I'm like, absolutely take the drywall wall down. And, uh, they're like, okay, great. We can get it in much faster that way. So they, they jam it in there. And then another guy has to come and turn the gas back on. So it's not the guys who, you know, so the guy comes back to turn the gas back on. And I feel like we had to wait like a day for that. So we wait the day guy comes back to turn the gas back on and he he gets there and he's like, um, I'm pretty sure it was the same company. Can't remember all the details, but, uh, he gets there and I get a phone call and I'll never forget. I was in Best Buy. I don't know why I remember that. I was just like, so free. I was freaking out. I usually don't lose my temper. I was totally losing my temper on this guy. And he's like, Oh, I can't turn the gas back on because you guys, um, you know, this is a bedroom. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? They're like, well, yeah, like there's this is a larger space here, but there's a bed here. I'm like, well, yeah, because there's a wall between, you know, where this furnace room was and this bedroom. But you guys, your company asked to take the wall down so they get the hot water tank in there. Yeah, yeah. And they're and and now you're telling me for, because of what you guys asked to do, you can't turn the gas back on because you're considering this whole space now a bedroom. And he's like, yeah. It's totally, that's totally what I'm telling you. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like how this is absolutely ludicrous. And, and remember, middle of winter, no hot water. And so I had to go there, me, Nick, and a friend of ours who's a contractor on a Saturday night. 
we go there to build a wall. So just like, you know, drywall <laughs> studs, you know, fix the studs up, drywall, sand it down. We put in a door so that if it ever happens again, yeah, they yeah. can get to that hot water tank much easier, which they could have got before the other way. This is just a little harder. Right. Just kind of squeeze it through. Right. So on a Saturday night. You framed night, in a door for that reason? Yeah. Yeah, we framed in a door. <laughs> we framed in a door. Like if you literally, if you open the door in that property, there's just a hot water tank right there. <laughs> we purposely put a door for quick changes to the hot water tank. And uh, I think we had to wait another two days after. I think it came Monday or Tuesday and finally turned it back on. But I just remember thinking, how ludicrous is this? Like you're, you guys are the ones who wanted the wall down. Now you're blaming me that you're, he was basically saying, he basically, his, the way he was wording, he was rather rude about it. He said, your hot water tank's like in a bedroom. I'm like, no, you know that's not the case. Like, you guys took the wall down. Anyway, um, I'm way off topic now. That's, no, I, no, I apologize. No, I've <laughs> and, had plenty of stories yeah, yeah, just all like these, that. Oh, yeah. This is real estate stories. But yeah. So then you get that student <clears throat> rental property, and then how do you parlay that? Do you so, do you pull equ- equity out of that property to get another property? What do you do? Yeah, so so the, the next one actually was a, um, uh, was a rent-to-own. And this one came to me. Actually, maybe that was first. I can't remember now. It's been, been so long, right? Um, that one came to me through one of those sort of finder companies. I can't remember what the company was called. At the time. There's been a bunch over the yeah. years. They'll, put, they'll package the deal together yes. for you. So they'll package the deal together. And the way that it worked was there was so much equity in the, in the home for this rent to own that the um, that the down payment basically offset, sorry, their down payment that they, or their, um, their deposit, I guess you could call it, basically offset almost all of the down payment I had to put in. So it worked out quite well and it was a package deal and so it was a relatively low amount of money i think i pulled it off off a credit line for that one for the for the difference um and that was a uh, that was a semi in in pickering and this is scary scary numbers for this i I don't know what the numbers are like now but but for that one i paid 272 for it and we had an agreed upon price in three years that i would sell it back for 290 oh wow and And the numbers you really got, were, I, really got uh, aggressive right? there. You right? got aggressive. Well, I know, really <laughs> crazy. I think I think at the time, like like things had gone up quite a bit, so we were like, oh, you know, things aren't going to go up quite as high. So we'll use maybe one and a half percent or two percent or something. It was, it was a stupid low number. Anyways, um, I think and, and it was reasonable. I mean, two seventy two at the time was reasonable at the time for the market compared to what you know what the things were there. But anyways, when I when I sold it back to them because they did buy it out three years later at two ninety. Uh, homes were already in the 350 range in that area. And now I, I, it was on Luna Court in Pickering, which is, you know, pretty like down the road from the water. Like, I mean, up the road, I guess. Um, I bet you that semi's worth maybe a million bucks. Though. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. We've all have, yeah. we, and we all have those stories. Yeah. Oh, so you did yeah. a, so you, you, yeah. so you mastered the rent own concept, <clears throat> mm-hmm. mastered that concept really well yeah. there. Yeah, and then, exactly. so, and then what, what do you do next? Uh, I think the next one was another rent to own this one in Barry. Um, I did three rent to owns total. I think one in Barry, one in Angus, which is just outside of Barry. Um, and all three, actually, all three of those were brought by this company as this sort of package deals. And the ROIs were, you know, they advertised and, and they were correct. The ROIs were like 35% and because of the small down payment, because of, you know, what their deposit was going to be. So, um, uh, anyways, um, so I think the Barry one was the next one. It was just down the street from Georgian College, uh, sort of in a student rental area. So I figured that if they ended up, you know, leaving or something didn't work out, it would be converted to a student rental, which actually happened. Um, they ended up leaving, I think two years into the contract and I flipped it into a student rental. Um, and uh, that's funny. We actually have a rent to own that we did the exact same thing with. Really? Yeah. yeah. That one is up on the Hamilton mountain by Mohawk. It was a okay. rent to own guy gets a new <clears throat> girlfriend. Girlfriend doesn't like the house. He moves out. Even though like, well, you totally were about to buy this house. Mm-hmm. He walks away. Right. Um, and we're like, okay, let's just, I mean, we didn't realize Mohawk college is right there. Right. Let's just turn this into a student rental. So exactly. in real estate, it's so handy to be able to pull off multiple options and have mm-hmm. multiple strategies on one property. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Yeah. So, that, so I mean, but you're not it, doing rent to owns anymore. Now you're what, what the, I feel like the latest properties, what are they again? Duplexes? Now it's, now it's sort of the, the, you know, the, the duplexes, I guess you could call them, you know, single family homes with basement apartments. Um, yeah, so like a second suite kind of thing. Exactly. And how do you get into that? How do you how do you go from the rent to owns to these properties? Well, really, the uh, I, I actually struggled with that one in Winbury. Uh, it's a Georgian College rental, and and I had a property manager. Actually, I converted it to having a, a property manager up there, which went, went totally sideways. And uh, they rented that uh, that unit to the local drug dealer, 
and his four buddies and I got it back with, you know, 80 holes in the walls and just, it was just a mess. So, um, was the guy actually a student too? Uh, I believe he was, Oh, okay. but I got tipped off by the neighbor who was some sort of, uh, she wasn't a police officer, but she was something to do with law enforcement. And she ended up telling me one, she's like, you know, that, you know, so-and-so is like, he's like the local drug dealer, right? I'm like, no, but now I do. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. So anyways, that was sort of the, the color of that student rental for a couple of years and ended up re-renting it one more time. And then I just had enough driving all the way to Barrie and, and dealing with it. So, Because you were living I, in Living Toronto, in Guelph. No, Guelph uh, yeah, I think by Guelph. that time I had, I had moved to Guelph. Um, and so Guelph was easy for me. I lived in Guelph. Um, you know, so I ended up con- getting, out of, getting out of that one and buying another uh, sort of purpose-built duplex which was another bungalow that had three bedrooms up and a legal three bedroom basement apartment in the basement um oh you're going legal now yeah right your life okay right. and so uh from there i think I, I got another one in the south end where actually i had held uh, a second mortgage on the property and the um uh the owner was looking to get out of the property so i ended up buying that from her uh that so sorry had. you had a second mortgage on the property so someone came to you looking for money you lent the money. Collateral was a second mortgage on the property. Correct. They yes. couldn't make their pay. No, sorry. They wanted out. They weren't making their payments, or they came to a, you wanting out, and you a, basically a bit of both. You they kind of foreclosed a, on. They that. were having a bit of a bit of trouble. Uh, they wanted out. I offered to buy it. Uh, they agreed. Okay, so, so you had to pay out the first mortgage by buying it. Exactly. Okay, you yeah. had the second mortgage yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they were a little bit behind, but they just wanted out anyways, and I was happy to take it on. I mean, I did did the second mortgage thing a few times. Um, and, and those it, deals were coming to you because you were advertising that you would start lending out money. Not necessarily. No, I have some friends that are mortgage brokers. Okay. Um, and so they would, you know, at the time people were doing refis and, and looking to get some equity out for whatever it was. So um, if they couldn't qualify with a, a lender, exactly. They would say, Hey, I got this friend who can lend you some money. Right. You would lay out the terms. Right. The house was collateral. Exactly. You're happy with the payments. You got yep. monthly interest payments or right. just balloon payments at the end of a year. Mon- monthly interest payments. Monthly interest payments. So. Post dated checks, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of thing. It was fairly easy. I mean, the returns were pretty good and it was hands off. It was it was actually registered on title, so there was collateral there. Um, you know, it was it was fairly straightforward. I, I typically didn't. I mean, one. You know, I typically didn't get into those unless I was willing to own the asset. Um, and, and that sort of happened in this case. Uh, so in that case, I mean, yeah, she was looking to get out of it. I bought it from her. It was a legal, uh, legal, you know, basement apartment in a, a nice subdivision in the South end of Guelph. So I was happy to, awesome. sat, happy to get it. I had to do a bunch of work. It was a bit of a nightmare. She had actually moved out, um, and, and had rented it as a, a sort of a boarding house. And it was just an absolute, it was a beautiful South end property but just an absolute nightmare. Like there was, there was cat shit everywhere and, and bunnies and gophers and all kinds of things running around. How do just, some people live? Oh, right. It was, uh, it was, it was terrible. So um, you cleaned it up, I guess. So, yeah. So I, I, you know, I wouldn't say gutted it, but I written, you know, new carpet, new flooring, they had smoked in there. So I even changed all the light fixtures and, and switches and, and tried to do everything I could to really, to, to turn it around. So I actually converted that to a student rental for, um, for a short time, uh, it's still now it's a single family up and sort of a, a mature student in the basement. So, cool. Yeah. So that is that the kind of property you'll keep for a long time? Yeah. So uh, so after have, having done that and going through the you know the I didn't necessarily love the the cycling of the rent to own. So having to refine that deal every Especially time when they go up in value. I know, right? <laughs> and so I found that the cash flow you know the cash flow was good from the rent to owns, but the cash flow was still okay from you know the legal duplexes. Um, you know, because there's those two incomes. So I sort of shifted the focus. Um, you know, I met, actually, this is about the same time that I met um, Aldo Martone at, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, at a yeah. Rockstar yeah. event. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. I always forget that you guys <laughs> know each other. Aldo's such a good guy. Aldo is a good guy. He's been a huge supporter of Rockstar, too. I feel like he's been at, like, every event we've oh, maybe yeah. ever done. Yeah. Um, cool. So you yeah. guys, what, were you sitting at the same table or something? Well, no. So you, you had mentioned on stage, I think at the time that, uh, the, you know, the, the King of Guelph was in the crowd or something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> you know why? Because every time we talked to Aldo, he was like buying another property. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. Aldo, I hope he doesn't mind us sharing some of this. We won't share any numbers or anything. But I'm like, Aldo, how, 
He's like, oh, yeah, I just like picked up another property. I, I don't know. I just felt like he was he owned half of Guelph by yeah, the time yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, I know. His st- we go for coffee regularly, actually. He talks about the heyday of buying things for zero, actually zero down. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, and was, just so everybody listening to this, there was an era, there was probably a 24 month window. And I don't know if we, we were interacting with Aldo during this time or not, but he was probably figuring this out for himself is that there were zero down investor mortgages, mm-hmm. high CMHC fees, but like we didn't care. The CMHC was a fee was a write off right. and you could buy a property. For, it was this, I feel <clears> like it was like 2006 to 2007 and a half, you know, this kind of yeah, era yeah. right, right there. Yeah. It was when, you know where it was, it was AIG announced they were going to come into Canada as Canada guarantee and CMHC got scared. They were gonna have a competitor. Mm-hmm. So CMHC dropped to 0% down for investor mortgages to try to win business. If you right. can believe it, this is before AIG caused a little bit of a problem in the, the financial crisis. Right. That was, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they did that. You could buy properties. Nick and I were like, just looking at ourselves 0% down, but not only that, we had worked with our lawyer to craft a clause that's declared on schedule a of the agreement of purchase and sale to ask that the seller, pay for our closing costs and our land transfer fees. Mm-hmm. So legal fee, so basically our closing costs, land transfer right. and legal. And I remember realtor, realtors we were dealing with are like, oh, this is like criminal. You can't ask for this. We're like, no, like we're declaring it on paper. Like this isn't like a side <laughs> deal. The banks are aware, like we're <clears throat> submit, this is on the agreement of purchase yeah, submitted yeah. to the bank. Everybody's aware. And uh, you know, people just can't get creative sometimes. So. We, put, we asked our lawyer to draft it. And even I think the lawyer was like, I'll put this clause together for you, but I don't know if it'll really work or, or not once the banks see it. And we started getting it accepted by the banks. Right. So we were buying 0% down and the seller was paying our closing costs. Right, right, right. So we were yeah. literally buying some properties, zero, zero, like no, you'd pick up a property <laughs> with nothing out of pocket. It was just, you know, when you just can't believe something's happening and then the banks started saying, ah, you know what? We don't like this clause anymore. It's when everything started tightening up during mm-hmm. the financial crisis. Right. So they kind of kiboshed the clause. 0% went back up to 20. It went from, it was, it went down from 25 to 20, 15, 10% down, 5% down, 0% down. And then right. went from zero to 20 with CMHC. Right. That right. was also the area, era, Andrew, I don't know if you're aware of this, that CMHC said 10, 20% down, but other, uh, other, um, mortgage insurers like Genworth were still doing like 10% down. Mm-hmm. It was just this weird, weird time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe it was a, the Wild West a little uh, bit. I know. I had a, actually in that first Waterloo student rental I bought, I had a clause in there. I forgot about this till you just mentioned that, but I had a clause in there that I wanted $5,000 back on closing for, for improvements or repairs, or I can't remember exactly what I put in there for. And it was so unique, I guess, at the time that both both lawyers had missed it. So I closed in the property, and I was like, "Where's my Where's my check? Where's my five thousand dollars?" And they were like, "Oh, I missed that. I've never seen that clause." <laughs> so before. what happened? So I ended up having to go back and forth with this guy that with the owner directly, and then threatening to sue him and, until he you know sent me my five thousand dollars, which which took a couple of months to get. But he signed the agreement of purchase and sale. Yeah, did, yeah. did he claim that he didn't see that? I can't remember exactly what happened, but I I know that. Both lawyers had missed it. And it- it's, it's funny. I found that real estate lawyers, uh, you know, I think they're much better now, but I feel like also during that era, they were so bu- They're just kind of doing volume. Mm-hmm. So they're just doing the closings and they're just not really thoroughly looking at some of these agreements yeah, yeah. person sales, which is completely wrong. Yeah. Right. I think we're past that with most good real estate lawyers. Right. But uh, that was crazy times. Yeah, it was an interesting clause. Yeah. I can never do that now. It's like no, no you inspection. Can't do, you can't do no financing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't do anything. And asking. the banks are what, much more strict. They <laughs> yeah, won't yeah. take any of that crap anymore. But uh, I shouldn't say crap. That was brilliant stuff. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but, right. Bring uh, it back. But uh, so Aldo. So you've crossed paths with so, Aldo. So I met Aldo. And actually, so Aldo was offloading a couple of properties. Uh, at the time, so I, I've gotten a couple of properties from Aldo, actually, that he was looking to unload. He, you know, probably the stuff he didn't want to deal with, he gave to me, right? I joke all the time with him about that. So uh, got a couple of properties from him. And through this time, I mean, I'm refining everything. That's and is that how you're able to buy yeah. these properties from him? You're tapping into equity from your exactly. other properties. Okay. Exactly. And at the time, still, prices are still reasonable. You know, like a, a, a semi this is like only like probably four years ago now. A semi-detached duplex, so you know, three up, one down. Semi, semi was sort of three fifty, that sort of range. So things were still reasonable. Down payments were not you know, crazy, so the refis were paying for that. So it was, it was still, still okay. So, and from then on, I've, I've added a couple of more semis that have basement apartments as well. 
actually just did my first ever JV. I've done JVs with my family, with my direct family before, but first JV with an outside person. Uh, so friends of ours from Toronto. Um, and that was middle of COVID actually. Um, when we really didn't know what to think, you know, looking at one of those same sort of semis that we, that I knew about, I'd already owned three of them. So I knew it, this was attached to one that I already owned. So it was interesting to pick up the one that was attached. Uh, and did a JV with someone from Toronto, uh, good friends of ours. So that's uh, interesting to roll through that. And we actually got the, we used the JV contract from the Rockstar site. Oh, cool. And sort of uh, Yeah, yeah, that's something we paid to have. We've used it ourselves. That's the same agreement yeah, we yeah, used. Yeah, We've paid to have that agreement reviewed. It works. Yeah. Know. It works. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. It's a pretty, and that JV agreement, once you go through it, it's, it's pretty kind of convoluted and co- it covers a lot of bases. It does. Especially yeah, with the, man- yeah. I, I forget the wording of the management committee where you have to have like who's voting for what. Right, right. And Nick and I always try to make sure we have control because we're always scared <laughs> that we go into a joint venture with someone. Nick and I have not done many, but we go into a joint venture with somebody and the, the roof needs repair and the partner is going to be like, well, sorry, you know, don't feel like spending that much money now. And we're like, no, 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 we have to keep these properties in good order. So we mm-hmm. always wanted to make sure we had like voting control on repairs right. and that kind of stuff. Right. And that's why the joint venture agreement has that kind of stuff laid out in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's cool. That's that's yeah. exciting stuff. So then where, you know, this you grew, you, you grew up in Winnipeg? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's also why earlier when I was talking about the Leafs, you said you didn't, you didn't really follow them because you're probably a Jets fan. Well, it's sort of converted Leafs fan. Right? I had to watch the Leafs for a while until the Jets came back. So Yeah, the Jets have a team, a bit of a team, right? yeah, you know? That's true. Lainey, though, yeah. he was, uh, you know, uh, there, I joke with some Nadim in our office here. He's a big Leafs fan. Yeah. And right during the draft between Matthews and Lainey, that, you know, he wanted Lainey. He was like, oh, you know. I want line in. I'm like, dude, we have a center. You got this center who's like six foot whatever, who clearly (laughs) looks like he has the potential to be a star. You don't pass up the center, you know, for this winger who's going to score a lot of goals. And I felt like I was replaying the old like Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby debate. Like who's the better (laughs) player here? So I always remind him, I'm like, dude, see, why you got traded, man? He's being benched by who, what's the, what's the coach in um, Columbus there? Anyway. Um, Torts. Torts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Torts has got them benched. They're like arguing <laughs> over each other. It's like awesome. But uh, but yeah, you've gone from Winnipeg and then all, you know, playing goalie, then coming here in Ontario to playing goalie and then starting like this real estate empire. Um, it's kind of a cool story. Yeah, it's, been, it's been interesting. I mean, you you look back and of all the, the crap that you had to deal with and all the, you know, you guys tell the stories all the time about the stupid, stupid stuff you had to do with. You know, clearing shit out of basements and leaky we've, foundations and leaking roofs and just. Oh, but we were yeah. talking before we started recording, though. What's interesting to me is that at, at your age now, because you're 37, right. it, uh, there's going to be a, a time in your life where I strongly believe that, and this is bad to say, but I think you should know, and I think everybody should know that you're going to be pointed as as part of uh, the problem because people are going to look at real estate prices. And I and when I say you, I mean you and me both. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not pointing to you directly. <laughs> no, but I just mean it's interesting me. that you've kind of detected <clears throat> how to kind of make the money game the way it's laid out today work for you and your family. And I feel that's commendable. And to us, to be able to live life on your terms, you need to do that. And you've managed to accumulate some assets and you've done the pain. You've bought properties off Google Maps that weren't close to mm-hmm. where you thought you were going to buy them. You've right. dealt with all this kind of you've legalized different apartments. You've dealt with cat shit in property. You've done all this. They've dealt with <laughs> drug dealers. Like you've dealt with all this stuff. So to me, you've earned your stripes and you've earned what you've accumulated here. I just feel that unfortunately we're in a world right now that at some day someone's going to point to you know, asset owners and say, well, Andrew, you know what? You're part of the problem, dude. Mm-hmm. You own assets. And the reason that uh, rents are the way they are and prices are the way they are is because of you. Right. And, and, and no one looks at the source of the problem, which is the money system itself and how the government has spent and has the privilege to print money and spend willy nilly mm-hmm. with no real goal on how they're going to pay it off. And your, you know, real estate prices are the symptom of that right. f- silliness, mm-hmm. but there's there's going to be a day where someone will point, and not just to you. I mean, anyone who who's listening to this who owns properties. So be be aware, right? That they're going to point to you and say, "Hey, you're part of the problem," and I can see that coming. It's already starting to happen a little bit, and you should be aware of it and, and uh, not let it catch you off guard and not let it, you know, uh, stop you from being proud of what you've accomplished here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's interesting. You know, growing up when I was younger, before I had started in this business. It was fairly easy to look at someone who's, you know, made it, I guess, 
quote unquote, and, and sort of say, oh, you know, must be nice or they're lucky or whatever else. And, and until you go through that decade of garbage and, and I'm fairly, and you know, stress and stress and late night phone calls and, and literally, you know, I've, I've shop vac shit out of, out of sewer drains before, um, you know, like those types of things until you've actually done that stuff. Um, it's hard to uh, it's hard to blame someone for for getting to a certain point. <laughs> Hearing right? that, I, I want to get on to the next subject with you. But <laughs> you know, when you said shit out of sewer drains, I'll never forget. I've shared this one before, but there's this one toilet that has scarred me for life. It's a hundred year old property that Nick and I own in Hamilton. Yeah, we're renewing it, but we didn't have enough money to pay for like a demo and stuff, so we're doing the demo ourselves. Right, and uh, we get this toilet off its mount, like do the screws, and the, this thing was screwed into this floor. I swear, it feels like for a hundred years. <laughs> and the last part of it after it's unscrewed, you. Have have to wobble the toilet yeah. back and forth to kind of like it's literally seared somehow to the floor <laughs> and i'm i got my arms around it like i'm squatted yeah. not on the toilet but next to it and i got my arms around the toilet and i'm literally like moving my whole body to try to loosen this thing from the floor and i get it up off the floor and there's a little bit of water left i guess in the tank and the oh, bomb yeah, and it starts yeah. splashing but then as i lift it off i guess the smell from the pipe comes up and hits me in the nose and that smell from that pipe it was like a hundred years of shit had been in that thing i almost you know when you start having that gagging kind of like and i start screaming to nick nick open the door open the door and we had to i had to go back through the kitchen and he opens the door and i literally just toss this like i use all my strength to try to toss this toilet onto the cement patio and it just shattered into pieces and i was just sitting there gagging i didn't throw up but i'll never forget the stench coming out of that pipe sorry way off way off well, track that's the so the property i'm talking about was actually our own house that we just ran out and this is a few <laughs> years right. ago and we had a we had a backup in in our in our sewer. We, luckily, we had a cleano, and so we had a backup. And then so we got the plumber out there, and he snaked it, and it was fine. Then we had another backup, and another, and another. And finally, it was so bad it happened on a weekend, and the plumber came out on a weekend and and couldn't get it unclogged, and said like I can't get it. And so I had to call the city. They they brought like the hydrovac truck to try to like spray it out. And that wasn't working, and they said they were going to have to come back later, and maybe you dig up the front yard. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is going to cost me a million dollars. This is five years ago, so it was a lot. You know, I don't know what it was going to cost, but it was going to be a lot. So I figured if you can't, if you can't push it out, like it was packed in there right to the end. If you can't push it out, what if I take it out the other way? So I got the shop vac, and I started shop vacing. And eight hours later, I had sucked out like ten shop vacs full. Of her own shit. Oh god. And lugged every shop back up upstairs. I had to I bought a bunch of uh like rubber made garbage cans. Had to dump them in the garbage oh, dump it in the garbage man. can until I finally cleared it all out. And it was like forty five feet of, of uh Where did of you sewer do with those garbage cans? You dumped it down I'll, the sewer down I'll, the street? I'll never tell. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Why does why does Andrew have the best tomatoes we've ever seen? <laughs> what is the fertilizer on those tomatoes on that garden bed over there? Andrew, yeah. the tomatoes that we get from your yeah, garden yeah. are just amazing. Anyway, yeah, we'll let that secret just die with with whatever you want to never reveal that one. But uh, and then so, what are you up to now with Reed's Heritage Properties? Like, how does this happen? You're yeah. So, so shifted gears into sort of the, the bigger multifamily space. Uh, I'm with Reed's Heritage Properties now, and we're doing purpose-built purpose built rentals all across Ontario. So a little bit of a different game. Um, yeah, I mean, new development, new construction, no sort of old reposition buildings. It's all all new build. So, and, and I don't think a lot, there's, I guess there's more and more companies doing purpose-built rental, but let's face it, over the last 20 years, 30, 40 years in Ontario, there hasn't been a big push mm-hmm. for purpose-built rental properties. So Reed's Heritage Properties are building purpose-built all over Ontario or Guelph? Like, what's where's the focus? Guelph specifically, we have a student purpose-built student rental um, in London, Sherwood Sherwood Forest. I'm not sure if you've seen that one when your son yeah. was out there. Yeah. Uh, so Sherwood Forest, that we're on, I think, phase five of five there. Um, another one planned. Wow. That's phase five of five. Right. Holy smokes. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize. Yeah. So we have another one planned for uh, Sarnia road, which is just down the street, uh, close to wonderland there in the, on the corner. Um, we have a couple going on in Guelph right now, one on the South end that's almost complete occupancy. And those for, are regular rentals, not student rentals. Sorry. Yes. Regular rentals, um, uh, in the South end of Guelph, uh, another project sort of in the North end of Guelph that's, uh, hopefully breaking ground this, uh, sort of summer fall. Um, a build in Breslau that just got occupancy for Jan 1 that we're leasing up right now. Um, and a couple more projects under under due diligence that uh, 
could sort of explode on us. Actually, another uh, a condo project in Mississauga um, on here, Ontario, 45 Agnes Street. It's uh, Agnes in here, Ontario. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then how did these work? So Reeds raises money from investors who can participate in because they need you, you, they need to raise Reeds probably needs to raise money to do the build before they're going to get the bank financing. Right. Correct. Is yep. this so, how it was? They so get, yeah. Reeds gets the land. Right. Opens this up to investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens? The investor comes and says, OK, I'll fund part of this project until a certain stage. Yeah. Well, so we're raising raising funds for each project individually under the LP the limited partnership structure. Um, typically it's sort of a five-year term, which takes you to, um, you know, a finance event where we're sort of refinancing out and, and paying out the investors and, and hopefully getting conventional forward. financing at that point. Um, yeah, well, no, just refinancing at a higher rate to then finance the investors out and then into a new project. So keep cycling that capital forward. Okay. Got it. And when the investors get cycled out because you were able to refinance, Reeds doesn't need the investors anymore because enough units have been sold. Like what, what's the refinance just, event, I guess? Just the increase in value. So it, call it a five or oh. even a 10-year event. So the increase in value combined with the... the okay, lower. so the property might be built. Like it might <clears throat> yes, be completely sure. built. Yep. Uh, I see. Yes. So yep. at some stage, the investors get their, their cap, the capital back and some share of profit. Exactly. Is so there a cash flow component here or no? You're in it for the profit, potential nope. profit, no guarantee of profit, I'd imagine. No, so so every project's different. Most of the projects have a sort of a coupon that you clip, a preferred return over the course of the, the you know, call it a five-year window um, with a def- either a deferred return at the end. So one of our projects we have right now uh, is a 8% you know, preferred return with a 4% accrual for a five-year window. So, you know, four times five is 20% sort of lift at the end. Uh, others have a pro- have a profit participation component. So based on that refinance, you know, if the property's gone up 10% based on the number of LP units you have, you would get a profit participation based on that. So uh, so there's a number of different ways, and, and each each uh, LP structure is different based on the, each individual project. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. 8% is pretty high, so investors are liking these things. They are. They're also liking the monthly distribution. It's pretty rare. Most of these development play investments... Uh, it's hundred percent accrual. So you're mm-hmm. rolling That's the money the kind in. We're familiar with. Yeah. Yes. So you're rolling those through, you're getting your money on the back end. Because a lot of the investors that we're dealing with right now, um, they're doing refis on, on rentals or they're, you know, adding a line to their house, uh, you know, and, and, you know, taking that 8% versus paying, you know, the two and a half or whatever they're paying on their line. And are just, are RSP eligible or no? It's not at this point. Okay, no. not RSP. So you have to do no. it with cash that you might be refi- refinance from Correct. a property. And then the risk to me, the investor, is what? We talked about this briefly before we started recording, and it was a uh, project doesn't c- get completed? Or, or, or well, what in your mind is the risk? Well, I guess... Let me start with this. Because I know it, you're going to think, there's no yeah, risk, yeah. Tom. There's yeah, no yeah. risk. There's I, no there's risk. Not no, at all. There's mind, not at all. In my mind, I need I to know, understand. I know. Well, let me start with this. I mean, we, we talked about duplexes. And if you could get a duplex in the Golden Horseshoe for 660 grand and rented for 4,000 a month plus utilities. Would you take that? Yeah. 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 So, so let me break the, the risk down into three parts. So uh, it's the entitlement risk, the construction risk, and the lease up risk. And on the entitlement risk, we're talking about zoning. So, you know, we're buying a single family home or a, a, a bunch of single family homes or an underutilized commercial asset that we want to flip into a multi-res building. Um, and we need, we need to rezone it. We need to make sure that we can build what we want to build there. So that's the entitlement risk. And we wouldn't take investment partners on before that's complete. So also oh, Reed does the, so the entitlement com- risk. Exactly. Component. So we will, we will purchase the land or at least put the, put the land under due diligence for our, you know, 90 or 180 days. We'll drill a bunch of holes, make sure that, you know, um, Environmentals, environmentals, Pat. You know, we'll make sure the crickets have homes and the gophers are, mm-hmm. are living. Mm-hmm. You know, the well bird on the, the tree the, is the, not the, endangered, the and you're going to be able to build. The bats have all their dens, yeah. and the mosquitoes are taken yeah. care oh, of. Yeah. We're, we're well versed in environmental, ready to, ready to yeah. go. Yeah. You never um, want to see a, a bird that's rare no, on the no. property. Exactly. You're right. going to have to run around the property sometimes exactly. and just wave your arms yeah, around. Yeah, scared. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Some environmentalists <laughs> just pissed at me right now. So we'll go through all of that. We'll typically spend, you know, fifty to seventy-five grand going through that due diligence phase to take it to a point where we think we can build what we can build. We'll, you know, we'll go through a pre-application with the city. Uh, we'll say, you know, we're looking to build this. We have a rendering. We want to build this structure. What do you think? We'll get some feedback on it. We'll, we'll take that. We'll push forward. We'll likely close on the property on our own with our own capital. And the property itself is, is 
In relation to the actual project, it's not a huge component. So typically five to 10% uh, of a project, you know, a property in the south end of Guelph was a, I think call it a $35 million build. Um, the land was $2 million. So it's not a huge component. So we'll fund the land purchase, um, take it through the entitlement space, take it all the way to zoning, and then look for investors from there. So once we have the entitlement risk cleared off our plate, we will take the investors on saying, we are building this. This is what we're building. We have approval. We have zoning. Um, this is what it looks like. Um, so we'll bring investors on for that point. Uh, so what the investors, I guess, are exposed to in the, in, in, in the sense is, is construction risk is the next phase. Uh, and that is just, you know, cost of construction, time to completion, that sort of thing. So we'll mitigate that with uh, stipulated sum contracts. So specific contracts or gross price contracts where it can only go to a certain price. Um, you know, we're not, we're not using GCs from Kijiji or Facebook mm-hmm. Marketplace. Mm-hmm. These are builders. Those, those yeah. are the contractors Nick and I have used over the <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, me too. I've used them all. <laughs> who, who can do drywall for me at Kijiji? <laughs> Yeah, that's another story. But um, so these are, you know, large corporations like Sierra Construction, Vanmar Construction that have been in the industry for, you know, decades. Um, So they'll give us very accurate, detailed quotes, you know, dozens and dozens of detailed pages worth of down to the screw, you know, washer, two by four, everything um, so that we know exactly what we're getting into. We can present that to our finance company. Uh, We can present that to our investors and say, look, here's what it looks like to build this. So we try to mitigate the construction risk around the fact that, you know, we're dealing with GCs who know what they're doing. Um, Reeds has been in business for 40 plus years too. So there's some, some uh, safe haven there. Um, and the next piece really is the lease up risk. And, you know, yeah, rental who, property demand has, is there. We, we both yeah, know yeah. that. For yeah. people who listen to this podcast, I mean, the supply and demand curve yeah. for rentals is, 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 is what it is. Okay. So, and, and I should ask you, I guess, and that's what you've seen. Your properties here are renting out. 100%. And the benefit too with a new, with a new construction, you know, we're building things for 10 to 15% below sort of resale value. So there's a built-in sort of leverage piece there. Um, we're, we're kind of minimizing everything. So, um, everything is registered as individual condos. So if we need to down the road, you, you could in theory sell off some to pay for, you know, whatever you needed no, to do. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's whereas, a smart way to leverage yourself, I guess. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's also, there has hedge, been up until, hedge, up until sort of more recent years, there's been some fairly big tax advantages as well. Typically the, the, um, uh, the property tax rate for, for condos was much less than a multifamily on a per unit basis. That sort of gap is narrowing now, but anyways, there's still some benefits in having them as condos so that we can, you know, flip them down the road if needed. Um, and really the big benefit there too, is that our average, and this takes me back to that duplex for 660, is uh, our average uh, build cost per unit, as an example, in that South End of Guelph building, uh, is 330 a unit. So, and our average rent God, is... Yeah. Our so average, you set me up with the 660 question. There you go, there. right? You set me up. <laughs> yeah, got it. So, and our average rent per unit is about 2000 bucks. So... Um, Wow, two thousand and 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 uh, for what? Like two one two bedrooms. So it depends. Yeah. So so our two bedrooms are around twenty two hundred plus wow. plus all utilities. Our one beds are around eighteen in we Guelph. Ha- yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about how rents are moving in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Rents are moving. They are moving. It's so wild. We we used to rent out single family homes in Hamilton for between twelve and fourteen hundred right? bucks. I know. Yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. So. And we're, we're May 1st occupancy there. Uh, we're already, I think, 25% leased on that space, if not 30, uh, pre-leased. And, and typically, you know, pre-leasing is not like pre-sales. You don't, you're not selling out a building in a weekend, which people are doing now anyways. Rentals are a bit different. People have to, you know, shift plans. It's typically, renters are typically more, you know, more of a last minute thing. Like you're going to get 60 days out, 30 days out, or after it's built. So. So we're doing well with that one. And I mean, the other advantage too with, with condos in Guelph, I mean, the average price of a condo on a for sale basis, for sale basis is about 450K. Uh, and that takes into consideration like all the old stock as well. So these are brand new condos that we're building for, you know, call it 330 um, that we could flip for, you know, almost double that if we, if we needed to. Who are your typical investors? Kind of, you know, uh, just a family kind of, kind of yeah. like the investors Rockstar deals with yeah, almost just exactly. somebody who wants to diversify out yeah. of the stock market, get their first rental property or mm-hmm. two or 10 or whatever. A lot of it are people who have invested in Guelph in, in condos that we used to build for sale and they've 
bought these condos and rented them and now they're sort of done being landlords or you know they're tired or or that or they're refinancing uh you know with the market that it is is what it is right now they're pulling out you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and looking for a home for that and and what the interest rates are what they are you know you're paying 1.7 and then you know we're offering you know eight or eight or ten so Got it. So the difference there is is pretty significant. It's interesting too, just because of the way Ontario's set up, and especially the the Golden Horseshoe are here, is that Guelph's one community, and I know Reeds is doing more than just Guelph, but Guelph's one of those communities where you think, oh well, Guelph's kind of like pretty far out from Toronto, but once you hit the Greenbelt, you hit mm-hmm. Milton, yeah, yeah, it's basically the next stop. Because once you drive past Milton, you see all the trees and there's nothing really happening there. But that's like kind of the green belt there. There's nothing to build. Mm-hmm. So once we're at capacity kind of in between Lake Ontario and the green belt here, these communities that are one hop over the green belt, Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, mm-hmm. Guelph, Brantford, right. Right. these are all like kind of go-to places. Then if you go east like Peterborough. Right. I must be thinking Peter Rose on the other side of the green belt. I, maybe I'm incorrect there, but I don't think so. Yes, it is. But yeah, yeah. So <laughs> all these communities are just kind of natural one hop over. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, or I used to anyway, I don't know if anyone, everyone thinks that way, that driving out to Guelph, I'd be like, oh, okay, like, you know, there's a bit of a gap here. I, I guess stuff will be developed, but no, that's all mm-hmm. green belt land. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, interesting times. And yeah. so the population in these places is just bound to grow as long as the immigration continues, which it looks like Canada is doing everything it possibly can sure. to yeah. jam as many people into this country as possible. Mm-hmm. So this will be interesting. What a journey for you. And, and what's your official role? Uh, Director of Business Development. Yeah, cool. So yeah. this has really been like a, a real estate journey for you. Going for sure. into university, what were you taking in university? I didn't even ask University so, of Guelph. So funny enough, I took the real estate and housing program. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. They Your have, degree matches what you're doing? I know, right? Crazy. You are a unicorn. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, that's I think rare. It's, I think it's one of only two. There's one at UBC. They have the same program and Guelph. Uh, it's Yeah, it's, it's a Bachelor of Commerce degree with, with a specialization. You in must real, be real a guest speaker back now at the University no. of Guelph. Like you're, you're a success story. <laughs> Funny no? enough, I actually taught one of the classes last winter. It was like full cycle or full circle rather. Um, it was the intro to real estate class. So it was like real estate 101. How did that go? It was interesting. I mean, it, it was it was a first but year. Lee, so you're teaching, but now you're you're rare because you have direct experience. Yeah. You're not like some prof who's just never done anything. Right, right. It was interesting. I mean, you see, it started off by... Like what is a condo versus what is a townhouse? Like what is a mortgage? Like really, really basic stuff. I know you have to start somewhere, but but it did get into, and you know, I typically ended most classes with discussion around sort of current events and what was going on in the market and, you know, a lot of the stuff that Rockstar oh, cool. spoke awesome. of. So um, really good, in, interesting conversations. And, and a lot of those students- This is it, great. It, we can influence the universities right? through you. I know, we can right? give information exactly. to you and exactly. then you can, yeah, you can yeah, spread yeah. it out. I love that. And it, was, it was a first year course, but- because it's an it's an elective, um, a lot of fourth, third, and fourth year students were in it just you know as an elective. So it was interesting to have discussions with you know, people who were just getting there um, versus people in their last year or, or you know or older. So yeah, cool experience for sure to be able to yeah. do that. So. What a story for you! This is a very cool story. And now, I, I, is this your first? Your your wife's pregnant. This is our second. This is your second. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, and then where the does this take here. you? So now you're going to be with Reeds for a little. I keep saying Reeds. I don't know if you call it yeah, Reeds yeah, or Reeds yeah, Heritage sure. Properties. Yeah. Um, this is uh, this is something you're going to stick with for a little while, I guess, and see where it takes you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Um, I guess part of my my problem, which is a good problem, is that I'm I'm capped on on mortgages. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's it's really a normal isn't, problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a it's a great way to leverage. And I'm a I'm a, a limited partner in, in a couple of the projects we have as well. Uh, so it's a great way to leverage the increase that you know increase in, in value of the of the rentals into something that is you know it's as close to ownership as you possibly can get without actually physically owning the asset, um, and a great way to, to leverage into into uh, you know a good space if you don't want to deal with the headaches of your own multifamilies. So if someone wants to find Reed's Heritage Properties or reach out to you, can they reach out to you directly? Yeah. What, what's yep. the contact information? Yeah, I mean, like? you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest. Uh, Andrew Arkley, A-R-K-L-I-E, uh, or the Reed's Heritage Properties uh, website as well. Find me details there. Okay, Reed's Heritage Properties website. And what is the URL? I believe it's reedsheritageproperties.com. Okay, you know, oh, really? Let's just Google. Hold on, hold on. Let's let check this. Know. We'll put this in the show notes as well, but let me just okay. Google this up. Put Reed's, me the test. Reed's. Heritage 
Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, everybody. Where, where are we going to get to the URL? We, yeah, we, I think it's readsproperties.com. Oh, boy. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> readsproperties.com. Okay. So is that the website? Can you look? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Readsproperties, yeah, yeah. R-E-I-D-S, R-E-I-D-S, readsproperties.com. You can uh, reach out to Andrew there. Find him on LinkedIn. We'll put um, links to readsproperties.com on the show notes for this particular episode. And uh, Perfect. I still think you got to suit up the goalie pads, man. The Leafs, we could use any help we can get, man. We need the Stanley Cup, so uh, I we're, need we're some looking. cardio. So I, I need. To, I haven't played hockey in a year, so I need to get out there and do yeah, something. Yeah, there you go, man. We'll throw you in the arena. Let's yeah. uh, let's have at it. There you um, go. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for thanks. sharing your story. I really think thanks, it's huh? it's cool sharing your story at a university to buying a bunch of properties, all different strategies, and then leveraging your experience into what you're doing with Reed's Heritage Properties now. It's quite a journey. So I think a lot of people can kind of learn from from this because not many people have such a seamless journey come and not that it was easy when mm-hmm. i say seamless yeah, yeah. but it is a pretty unique journey that you're on so i uh, can't wait to see this where this goes in the next 10 years man so right thanks on. for appreciate coming. it thanks yeah, Tom. Thank i just want to thank you too for everything that you guys have done for the last 10 years i followed you guys religiously and a motivating factor hearing you guys all yeah. the time out there so appreciate that cool thank you yeah, thank right you on. appreciate it Hey everyone, so hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Andrew. You can find out more about Reed's Heritage Properties at reedsproperties.com. We'll put a link to Reed's Properties in the show notes for this particular episode. So if you're driving or walking or doing something, you want to get that link, find the show notes of this episode at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, and you will be able to click over to reedsproperties.com and check them out. And if you are looking for real estate specific information, specifically around the population growth here in the Ontario area, you can find our report on that subject at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.